Good afternoon. It's good to see you all here this afternoon. Uh, excited that you're here. I'm excited about what God is doing uh, in our services this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are honored that you uh, chose to be with us. My name is Jason uh, Williams. I have the honor of serving as pastor here. And to set that aside, more importantly, I'm just a member of this church. And you are surrounded by an amazing church family. I hope that you have already felt welcome. And, uh, and when the service is done, I hope you'll take time to get to know some folks. Um, I'll be available. I'd love to meet you uh, if you're new here, visiting with us this morning. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn there uh, in your Bible or your phone, your tablet, your gadget, uh, we'll have it on the screen this morning, but it's a little windy outside, so it may make you seasick. Um, so follow along in whichever format you want to. If you don't own a Bible, um, those black uh, hardback Bibles under the seats around you, um, that's here for you. That's a free gift. Please take Take that home with you. Um, so just to get us on the same page, um, in a lot of ways, today is the last sermon in the All In series, uh, but more importantly, this is really the first step of faith on the All In journey. And so it was more than just a sermon series, it was actually the beginning of a journey uh, that God is calling us to take together. And so um, today I'm going to be sharing with you some of the numbers and what that means for us going forward, but we're going to spend time in God's Word first allowing him to continue this refinement process on our hearts, um, to, to solidify the calling on our lives, um, that this journey we take together would not be about buildings or chairs or money, but it would be about the amazing work that God is doing and has yet to do through our church. And so uh, we're excited about that. Um, in so many ways, uh, what God is doing here is outside of our control and ability to manage. For example, we have no idea what we're going to do at Easter, okay? So just to give you some, uh, some reference, last Sunday our attendance was one less than Easter two years ago, okay? And so Easter last year we had over 550, and in the 10 o'clock service we're having to turn people away, standing room only. So um, we don't know what we're going to do for Easter. We had looked into getting a big tent with a stage and sound system, and that was about 30 grand. We didn't feel like that was a good use of God's money. Uh, we looked into uh, maybe uh, piping in the video to another place on this campus, but almost every spot is being used, and, uh, and so that's not going to be a valid option. So we're left with, hey, here's the thing. Let's leave the 10 o'clock open for visitors. If you're a member here, let's do our best to come to first and last Many of you are already doing that, so here's what I need you to do. Could you remind the rest of the members of Solid Rock and just invite somebody, hey, why don't you come uh, sit with us during the 1145 uh, on Easter Sunday to make room for what God is going to do Easter Sunday here. We are excited. It's beyond what we can manage or imagine, so we're just going to leave it in God's hands. He hasn't called us to take a step back from the mission. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep investing in people, inviting people to come to know Jesus, and let God figure out where he wants to put everybody. Amen? All right, so... 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning, and um, what I hope happens this morning is really what I hope happens every time we open God's Word. So um, each one of us, we bring to the table this preconceived idea of who we want God to be. Maybe we've heard something when we were a little kid, or we've thought something in our imagination, then we open the Bible, and what oftentimes happens is God shows us who He is, and He shatters that, that false image of who we thought he was and replaces it with a true image of who he is, right? And so that happens when we read his word. He says, no, this is who I am. And I, and I hope that happens today. I'll give, you, I'll give you just a specific example of what I hope God does. I think 
um, because of the way that oftentimes money gets talked about in the church, we get this false image that somehow God is a taker. All he wants to do is take from me. That's all the church talks about is taking from me. And we get this false image of who God is. And I pray and I hope that today God would shatter that false image for any person in this room who sees God as a taker. And one of the reasons for that is in close relationship to that is that prosperity gospel idea that if you will give money to the church, God will make you rich. And so what happens is so many faithful believers buy into that, put money in the offering plate, go home and check the bank account, and it didn't get bigger. It got smaller, right? And so you're left with two things. Either I don't have enough faith or God's just a taker. He just wants to take from me. He don't want to give me anything. So I am praying that God would, would shatter any false images of who he is and replace it with a true image of a God who is not a taker. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll pick it up in verse 10. We're coming right out of that famous passage that God loves the cheerful giver, right? And, and so we, we, we kind of locked in on that a few weeks ago looking at how this idea of being a cheerful giver uh, is, is, is set apart from the idea of how much money you give. It's a condition of our hearts, right? And it has nothing to do uh, with how much money or how big your financial gift is. And what we also looked at a few weeks ago was God's economy and how it works, different from the economy of our world, where God says, just before the verses we're going to read today, that if we will sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. But if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. And that's how God's economy works. And so we can either believe that or not. But God said, this is how it is. This is how my kingdom works. And we, and we, we looked at how this transcends the idea of money. This applies to every area of my life. That if I will sow bountifully seeds of faith, including my finances, including my time, my gifts, my possessions, right, my patience, my love, if I sow bountifully, I will reap blessings that are bountifully. No promise to make me rich, but that I will reap blessings. Well, today, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 is going to lay out for us some of these blessings that God is going to bring to us through sowing generous financial seeds. And so we're going to get started here in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And so we're picking up, right, with that God's economy, sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. And Paul writes, he who supplies your seeds for sowing. So what does that tell us? So when God calls me uh, to be generous with my time. So I'm on my way to work and I notice a vehicle on the side of the road and quickly pick up on, oh, wait a second, they've got a flat tire. However, I'm running late. And in that moment, if I choose to be generous with my time, even if it costs me, right, that's a seed of faith sown, but I have to realize that that seed was given to me by God in the first place. He supplied the seeds, right? He supplied to me what he's asking me to sow, Right, so God's not a taker, he's a giver, right? God has supplied all the seed necessary to sow. And he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your 
righteousness. Again, Paul will not let us detach our finances and our financial giving from the rest of our spiritual life. It's all part of who we are. Whatever's going on in our heart, right, will come out in in all kinds of different ways. The way I treat you, the way I react to you when you wrong me, the way I choose to love my wife, the way I choose to love my boys, and the way I give. It's all connected to who I am in Christ. And I love how Paul lays it out here. So God is involved on the front end of generous giving because he supplies the seeds he's asking us to sow. Comes from him. But not only that, he meets us on the back end of giving by multiplying. Did you see that? He who supplies also multiplies. He meets you on the front end of generosity, and he meets you on the back end of generosity to multiply blessings. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these blessings that come out of sowing seeds of generosity. We'll start with just kind of a, a practical baseline assumption that's going to show up in the text, and then we're going to hit the ones that are probably maybe not on your mind yet. So the first thing we would think about is this. There's a practical implication that there's a practical thing God is going to do with my generosity, right? He's going to supply money for ministry, or he's going to supply money to meet somebody's needs. We would assume that, right? If God's going to use what I give, right? There's going to be a practical thing that's going to play out as a blessing that he's going to do. And that's going to show up in the next few verses. But what I really want to key in on are the things that maybe we don't know or aren't aware of that God is actually doing as he multiplies blessings through your generosity. Now, here's the great news. You don't have to be a millionaire to be engaged in this. You could be a teenager with a minimum wage job, right? Because this is not based on a dollar amount. It's based on a posture of your heart and how you live your life, right? Living for yourself, or living for God. And so here we go, verse 11. You will be, this is the result, this is where God meets you on the back end. You will be enriched in every way. It's a general description of the blessings. Enriched in what ways? Financially, every way. All of your life will be impacted by this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way way. Now, the first thing that we may not have thought of is this. One way God promises to bless you if you will sow generous seeds is he will actually multiply and allow you to be more generous. That might sound strange to the world, right? Wait a second. I thought I was being generous so I could kind of put myself off the hook and check the box and say I did my generous thing. But What you're saying is that God will meet me on the back end of my generosity and bless me in ways so that I can be more generous. Now, How do we make that make sense? Because there's a baseline truth, and you already know it. It is better to give than to receive. That is not a worldly principle. Worldly principle is what? It's better to receive. What are you talking about? Give me stuff. That's better. But in God's economy, he says, no, no, no. It's actually better for you. It's to your good to be able to give. And so God sees generosity in your life as a blessing to you. Now think about that. If you've engaged in any version of generosity, financial, your time serving somebody, if you've been generous, you've received some blessing from that. And it's done something inside of you. And there's this joy that kind of stirs in you. Now, here's what we have to understand is why that's happening, okay? If we're not careful, we'll engage in generosity to become the hero of the story, right? We'll throw on our our cape, and we'll 
put the S on our chest, and we'll pull over to save the day. Now, if we're doing it for our own glory, to be the hero of our own story, here's the problem with that. Tomorrow, you may be pepped up and fired up, and you may sow some seeds of generosity, but if you're doing it for yourself, what's going to happen the next day? I don't have time for that person. I'm just going to keep on driving, right? I gave last week. I don't have to give anymore, right? But that's not what's happening in your heart. If you're truly sowing seeds of faith generously, let me tell you, it's a much bigger picture than that. It has to do with your created purpose on earth. If you're not familiar with the Bible, but God has told you from the very beginning, you have been created to bear his image, okay? So that means you're a living, walking reflection of who he is. He has designed you in such a way that when you act like him, people see a reflection of God in you. They want to know what the character of God looks like. They see it in us. That's how we were created. That's apart from our sin nature. So we're set apart. Dogs can't do that. Trees can't do that. Broccoli can't do that. Sunsets can't do that. Mountains can't do that. Oceans can't do that. The Grand Canyon can't do that. Only you can reflect God's character. So here's why joy stirs in your heart when you're generous. You are beginning to align who you are with who God is. And in a moment of true faith-driven generosity, what you're doing is you're reflecting the goodness of God. And that feels good because that's what we were created to do, right? In any moment of generosity, any extension of grace or forgiveness, what you're doing is you're engaging in the character of God. And in that moment, you're reflecting who he is to the world around you. And so God assumes it's to your good that you get to be generous. When you sow seeds of generosity, I'm going to multiply and I'm going to bless. And here's the thing, you're going to get to be more generous because God assumes it's to our good that we get to be generous. Now the next thing we see here is after God has enriched us in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, okay? Thanksgiving to God. We're gonna talk about a direct connection between our generosity. Matter of fact, we keep reading in verse 12, he says, for the ministry of this service, what service? The service of generosity. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. We already assumed that, didn't we? God's gonna use this whatever, to bless somebody and to help somebody. So he says, it's not only doing that, look at what else it's doing. For the ministry of the service, not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many, many thanksgivings to God. Now, so there's a direct connection when I choose to be generous, whether it's with an individual person or I'm giving to the church, there's a direct connection that a result that happens through God multiplying, he will amplify thanksgiving. We're gonna get to experience that today as a church. There's a sense of thankfulness that's gonna overflow from our hearts because of generosity. Right, there's a direct connection with the recipient who is thankful for those who have been generous. They might not know you by name or know who, right, who you are, but they're able to see, you know what, you have been generous. There have been a lot of people, church, um, you may not know this, but we strive to help a lot of people financially through your generosity. We've been doing this for years here. Right? And you may not know the names and they don't know who you are, but when they, are, when they receive that help, that act of grace, there's a thankfulness in their hearts. 
And who are they thankful for? God. If they try to throw that thanks to us, guess what? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. That belongs to God. He's the one who has met your needs. Verse 13. Now we're going to begin to think about an even bigger picture being painted through our generosity and in a, in a, in a, more of an indirect connection with the seeds that we sow in faith. In verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission. Now he's talking about people receiving the blessing of generosity from the Corinth church in, in another city who don't know them. And he's saying, here's going to be the end result here. Actually, what will happen is, this is one of the blessings that will come out of your generosity. God will be glorified. Now, I want, to, I want us to think for a minute and maybe engage our imaginations for, for just a moment on what happens with our generosity. So I want you to think about, right now, a church that you've never been to. Okay, And I want you to, just in your mind, I want you to see this church full of people who you've never met. And I want you to see a, maybe a baptistry up at the front with a person in it who you've never seen before. And, and I want you just to imagine, if you've been around here very long, you know how baptisms go. This person being baptized to express their faith in Jesus publicly. And when they come up out of the water, there's this interruption of worship that happens in the room. Now, that's not too far-fetched. I'd be willing to bet that right now as a church, we are engaged in more missional activities than you are aware of. Things going on in the Philippines are going on nationally or going on locally, right? As a church, we are super active in investing in kingdom work outside of these walls. And so that's not too far-fetched of an image in our minds to know that your generosity as you sow seeds in faith indirectly, right, is impacting eternity for somebody you'll never meet who has never met you, but the end result's the same, isn't it? Whether it happens here in another church or in the Philippines or in Yukon, Oklahoma or Flint, Michigan or across 820 in White Settlement, God gets the glory. And that's what God is multiplying through our generosity. God gets the glory. And there's that uh, song that came out, I think it was in the late 80s, uh, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And uh, it's, I don't even know if this is really what heaven will be like. But the idea in the song is that um, people who have invested bountifully here in this life and never saw the fruit or results in eternity, they bumped into people who their generosity had impacted. And those people came back to them and said, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed, whether it was a financial gift or a Sunday school teacher or somebody who randomly stopped and prayed with somebody. Now, I don't know if when we get to heaven, we'll get to bump into people who our generosity has impacted because it's gonna be more about what Jesus has done and less about what we've done. But you get the point. That is happening right now. Your generosity is impacting eternity in ways that is causing eruption of glory to God. And you may never know those people, and, and, right? We're okay with that. Why? Because it's not about us getting the glory, right? It's not about us being the hero of the story. It's about God being the hero of the story because he supplies the seeds. Nobody in this room brought eternal seeds to the table. God supplied those. He's just called us to generously invest them in faith. And when we do that, what we're saying is what? I'm not, this world is not my home, and this stuff is not my stuff. God supplied it. My home is beyond this world, right? I'm not attached to all this junk. 
but I'm going to sow it faithfully, knowing that God will use it to impact eternally. And if I sow bountifully, I will reap bountifully. And Paul lays out for us what to expect and what those blessings will actually be. I'll get to be more generous. That'll be one of the blessings, right? Thanksgiving to God and ultimately glorifying God. Now we're gonna look now in the rest of verse 13, the last next phrase is gonna anchor all this in, in, in in the deepest, profound, biblical truth. Look at what he says. So by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from something. Flowing from what? Flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Now, generosity isn't possible without that anchor, is it? Right? How do we reflect the character of a God we've never met? Why in the world would I want to be sacrificially, no strings attached, generous with anybody if I haven't first encountered a God who's been that way to me? See, I think we have the equation 180 degrees backwards, right? So here's the equation. There's an actor and there's a reactor. And I think so many times we approach God thinking we are the initiator, we're the actor. If I do this, God will react and give me love. If I do this, God will react and he'll accept me. If I do this, if I act, God will react and he'll be proud of me. That's not God's economy. That's not the gospel. The gospel says, no, Christ is gonna act and then you just react. That's, that's how it works, right? So this has to be rooted in our confession of the gospel that we have first come to know the goodness of God and his grace in our lives. Holy cow, church, God has been good to us. Look at, look at, look at your family, this beautiful family God has given you. You didn't earn that. You didn't make that happen, right? Your marriage with all the struggles that are there. Look at the beauty of what God's given you and your spouse. Like, that's a gift of grace to you. The fact that our children don't actually know how corrupt we are and they think we're better than we are, I mean, that's a grace right there, right? Holy cow, if they ever found us out, they'd be so disappointed. God's grace is all over us, isn't it? This has to be rooted in our confession of the gospel that Jesus loves me. He knows me and he loves me still and he has died for me. He's the first actor. My faith and my walking this out is just a reaction to his action. And so Paul takes a moment to make sure we stay rooted in that truth. And then in verse 14 we get the final blessing that he's going to list here. And I'll be honest, this one um, kind of caught me off guard, but the more I studied it this week and the more I, I read and meditated on it, the more it made sense. And I think we've already begun experiencing this together today. Verse 14, he says this. So again, he's, he's talking about the multiplication, the blessings that come out of generosity. He says, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Now, we know the surpassing grace of God he's describing is the way God's grace is motivating them to be generous. And what is he saying? It increases their longing for you. It's a really powerful word. It's the idea of pursuing a love relationship with. So, hopefully, hopefully, if you're a Christian, you walked into this room with some level of affection 
for the other Christians here today, okay? But what we're reading about is that 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 love longing we have for one another, right, isn't as deep as it needs to be yet, and there's a way for God to deepen and increase that longing for one another. That one of the byproducts or the rewards, the blessings that comes out of generosity is God stirs up our love for one another. Like, I've just been overwhelmed by the love of the church today. As we've talked through this and as we go through the numbers of the generosity of the church, it stirs something in us. I tell you what, I am not a hugger, but I have some of the best hugs today. I am not kidding. Just people just hugging, watching you hug each other and just seeing the love of Christ radiate off of you. What Paul is saying is that, hey, guess what? Not only will thanksgiving erupt to God and glory be given to God and you'll be able to be more generous, but it's going to do something to your longing for one another when they see this act of grace. while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Now I want to take a minute just to uh, walk us through um, some of the all-in stuff, give you, um, you know, some of the numbers and kind of talk to you about what that means for us. And, and, uh, and I want to do it, though, with this perspective, okay? This is not about buildings, and ultimately it's not about money. Right? So our primary goal in this all-in initiative is 100% engagement from the Solid Rock Church family. That we would do this together. Right? We agreed from the beginning. We'll do this together and we'll celebrate whatever the finances are. Right? We laid out a goal of $1.5 million. We said this is our secondary goal. But in the end, we're going to celebrate together whatever the number is. Right? We agreed to do that from the beginning. That this is about unity and about taking this journey together. Let me give you some perspective uh, before I share, share some of the numbers with you. So if we wouldn't have done the all-in initiative and we were just doing our normal budget projections for the next two years, um, we would have projected to come, come in somewhere around $870,000 for the next two years just based on where we've been, okay? That's nothing to shake a stick at. That's a huge chunk of change, right? $870,000, okay? So that's over the next 24 months. Through the All-In Initiative, um, we have had 79 family units, okay, representing 143 adults make an All-In commitment, okay? Now, that's not perfect 100% engagement. We get that, but that's something to celebrate. 143 adults who said, I'm All-In. Wherever God wants to lead us as a church, I'm willing to go. Probably as exciting or more exciting to me and to the elders is this. We've had 12 new families who said, this is my first time to give. Representing 19 adults who said, hey, this is, right? By faith, we're going to engage in this. And we are so excited for you because it's not about the dollar amount. It's about what that represents, that you're willing to trust God on that level and take that step of faith. Like, that's huge. I've heard Larry say it twice. We're talking about the numbers, like, oh, that's awesome, that's good. And Larry's like, yeah, but I'll tell you what I'm most excited about. These people who are walking by faith, that's what gets me excited, right? It doesn't matter how much money we have. If we'll walk in faith, God will do anything and everything he wants to do through us, right? And so that was really exciting news to hear that. Now, our goal was 1.5 million, so here's what we're expecting over the next 24 months through commitments and uh, financial gifts. 
$1.73 million. You want to clap right now, don't you? Because of the Thanksgiving, right? You see how that works? Like this Thanksgiving just begins to erupt, and you just want to applaud God and say, God, you're good. That's awesome, right? $1.73 million. Now, here's what we know as a church. Money is no object to God. Uh, I heard Rick Hebner praying this morning. We meet at 7 a.m. to pray, and he was saying, hey, God, you don't really need us to do this. It's just awesome that you choose to. There's nothing that we bring to the table. You don't have to have us to accomplish your plans for today. So if you want to use us, God, use us. God doesn't need your money. That's chump change. That's not from, from my perspective, but from God's perspective, that's chump change, right? So it's not about the amount of money. It's about God saying, hey, I'm doing something here. I didn't give you this 15 acres debt-free to mow. I've placed you here, Solid Rock Church, to be a beacon of hope to the community around you. There are people around us in these neighborhoods walking through the routine of life in despair and darkness and hopelessness and brokenness. I'm telling you, it's all around us. And God's called Solid Rock Church to be that beacon, that radiant beacon of hope to this community. There are more than enough people around us who don't know Jesus, right, to fill the seats of anything we would build here. And this is about people and not about buildings, church. It's about the work God wants to do in lives, okay? The building's just a box. It's just the place where we're going to put the chairs to get it out from under the rain so we can kind of hear each other and see each other. This is about people. Now, what I want to do is I want to I read a couple things. First of all, I want to remind us of the, the kind of the heartbeat of our prayer through this whole initiative. If you've been with us, you've heard us pray this and, and read this passage in Ephesians 3. The Apostle Paul, after praying this amazing prayer for the church, that they would grow in their understanding of the depth and the, and, and the width and the breadth of the love of God, in Ephesians 3, he ends his prayer with these words, and we've been praying this prayer as a church. Ephesians 3, verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It sounds like Paul's praying to a God who is not a taker but who is a giver and a multiplier there. Hey, church, listen, we fully expect God to blow away whatever numbers we put down. Because if we will, according to his word, if we'll sow these seeds in generosity, one of the blessings will be that we'll be able to be more generous. And next year we'll come in and we'll just be shaking our heads all the more. Just blown away by what God does. Now what I want to do is I want to read um, verse 15, the final verse in this text, and then I want to do verse 15. Okay, so I'll explain that in just a minute. Um, Verse 15, Paul ends here with this last expression of gratitude and worship. He said, thanks be to who? God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite one of our members to come up um, to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving just to do what we just read. 
And then we're going to watch just kind of a highlight video of some of the All In stuff in case you've missed it. Um, if you have no idea what All In is, you can go to our website and click on All In, and there's some info there. You can find out more. Um, some of you have said, hey, the timing wasn't right for me or our family, and we just, you know, we kind of feel like we're being left out. Hey, we don't want you to feel like that at all. This is just the beginning of a journey together, right? And so we understand that, and we want you to follow God's will for your family, and if at some point he, come, you know, he leads you to make an all-in commitment, you can jump in at, at any time you want to. So we don't want anybody feeling left out, okay? This is just where we are today. We're starting a journey together, all right? So we're going to watch just a highlight reel of some of the stuff that God has been doing and some of the um, testimonies that you guys have shared, and then we're going to worship together, okay? That's our plan. So I'm going to invite John Grubb, a uh, longtime member here at Solid Rock, to come up. John, if you wouldn't mind, and, uh, and lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving. I just want to invite you to, to join your hearts with John. Just sing on. Check, check. Yeah. John, would you lead us in prayer? I'd be glad to. Thanks, brother. Pray with me, please. Father God, we come to you today with prayers of thanksgiving. And God, we could be here all day just thanking you for your love and your mercy and your grace. But today the prayer is a prayer of thanking you, what you've done, what you will do at Solid Rock. The lives you've touched and the work that you've done through the All Initiative is wonderfully done. We thank you for the money that's raised and going to be raised to build a bigger building, to add more chairs so that you can fill that room with your children that will in your simplistic plan know you and make you known. God, I thank you for your love and your generosity. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 